Welcome back everyone. This is the bi-weekly Pulse update where we discuss the health of what's happening on the internet out there. So it's actually been a really interesting couple of weeks there. So I always say that I know, but uh, going into this, I actually found these quite fascinating. We've had an outage at uh, OpenAI's ChatGPT, Microsoft 365 and Virgin Media UK. There's also many interesting things we want to cover this week, but let's start with the download. So let's start the download with OpenAI's ChatGPT outage. So ChatGPT is, was, is wildly popular. So hitting over 1 million subscribers just five days after its release. It was a really interesting outage uh, because it illustrates the additional freedom that some companies might have when they're in a more experimental stage in a high growth market from there. So ChatGPT experienced some occasional inaccessibilities. Uh, even semi-regular users will actually see we're at capacity right now and sort of hang tight. We're actually scaling our system. Status messages come out once in a while. But on March 20, it was impacted by one of its first proper outages. The outage actually represented quite a pragmatic move on the part of OpenAI, uh, where the operators took the service offline when a vulnerability in the open source software used on the back end was uncovered. Taking entire public service offline is a luxury that a lot of companies actually can't afford to do. Um, and ATN engineering teams have to work to do the fixes in flight. But ChatGPT could because, as we said, it's an experimental platform in a high growth market. Other notable companies experienced outages. We actually saw Microsoft 365 on March the 21st. And this was a really unusual set of problems uh, when instead of the infrastructure responsible for regulating the user's uh, geolocation malfunctioned, as uh, we were told by Microsoft there. We also want to take a look, uh, revisit the, um, the, the Virgin Media UK outage. And I say revisit because we've covered that in some depth uh, in a separate podcast. Uh, but again, I want to sort of go into there. These were two... Um, outages or two, two occurrences of an outage which impacted the uh, Virgin Media's ability or subscribers ability to access the internet coming out from there. So same similar uh, characteristics with the withdrawal of routes but I just want to sort of go back in and take a look at that a little bit further. And then we're actually going to revisit DISH. So DISH we talked about in the last, uh, last episode of the, of the podcast where we actually uh, uh, covered the, 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 where they took the network down um, but we wanted to provide an update in this episode because as part of this process of recovering, we've actually seen some interesting patterns as they sort of re-establish the functionality, uh, but sort of still seem some issues where the users have been experiencing some frustration getting in from there. And then from a numbers perspective, so if we actually look at the outage numbers, you know, I love my patterns coming from there, but if we actually look back at the outage numbers for the whole month of March compared to February, we actually saw that the global outages uh, decreased by 17%. Um, the, whereas the US outages actually increased by 18%. Um, interestingly enough, also, the, the, the US-centric outages represented an increasing percentage of total outages. So, and this is looking at all the outages coming across there. So in February, they accounted for 23%, but this rose to 34% in March. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about it in the, in the numbers section, but this, this sort of change was kind of interesting as we go through there. All right, so that was like a TLDR. But let's dive in further. Uh, as always, we've got chapter links in the description box below so you can skip ahead to a section that you find most interesting. And of course, we always encourage you to hit like and subscribe and email us at any time at internetreport at thousandice.com. We always welcome your feedback, questions and suggestions. And to discuss all this, I'd like to welcome Lindsay Carroll. Lindsay is the APJC Solutions Engineering Leader at Thousand Eyes, uh, a good friend, and it's great to have you with, uh, with us, Lindsay. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. No problem at all, mate. All right, then. Um, so let's take a look at the numbers. 
Okay, so this is actually my favourite part of the podcast where we actually talk about the numbers and uh, where we can actually start to look to see what's happening from the outages that occurred going out from there. So because we actually uh, see this downward trend we sort of saw in the preceding uh, period was initially reversed. We saw this initial jump coming up there and it was a reasonably significant jump where we sort of 46% increase which was when we compare that to the previous week there. Um, but then we actually returned uh, to that, that downward slope again. We actually sort of dropped down to 242 there the, the, the following week there, which is a 9% decrease on that, that previous week. Now, this is kind of a little bit in, in, in contrast to what we then saw on the, the US numbers there. So if you look at the US numbers, we actually saw the, 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 the rise then occurring across these two weeks. So first of all, we went from 65 to 95, uh, which is a 46% increase. And again, this was followed by another rise where we saw an 11% increase on that, that, that following week. And if I look at those numbers, although we sort of saw a drop coming down um, initially from the, 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 um, on the global number, if I actually look at that year over year, those numbers are actually increasing. So I'm actually seeing more outages there. So one of the other things I want to sort of note here as well is that last, this period here, the US century outages accounted for 39% of all the observed outages we had there. Uh, this is actually larger than we saw from the previous one, where it's 34%, so an increase. It kind of goes against the trend a little bit that we've seen happening through the year, where we've been sitting at around sort of low 30s uh, and sometimes in 20s, which again, in contrast to the previous year, so if we look at 2022, they were averaging around sort of 40%, and then we sort of dropped off towards the end of the year. So the number of outages continue to rise, but as we're sort of seeing there with that US numbers growing, the percentage accounted for there, as it were, the blast radius seems to be sort of more contained. The US-centric outages aren't necessarily having a huge impact on the global numbers. So where if we look at some of those outages that occurred sort of out of hours for a, um, a European time or even from an Asia-Pacific time, uh, time zone there, in the past, we would have seen a North American outage have a, um, a domino effect where it started to sort of flow up in there. We're not actually seeing that this time. We're actually seeing it sort of contained. Sort of both you and I are sort of sitting here in Australia, Lindsay, and um, not a week goes by where I don't hear someone tell me that there are more shark numbers. The sharks are increasing around from there. Um, but, you know, I don't necessarily see the, any output of that. I'm not seeing any impact necessarily from the sharks. Yes, there's more sharks out there. Maybe we're having more sightings, but I'm not necessarily seeing impacted. Is this sort of a similar thing we're seeing with the outages uh, in terms of the reflected in the, the, the people you speak to in the IT world there? Uh, are they saying, yep, there's more outages out there? Or are they, they sort, of, sort of seeing that there's an impact to these? Yeah, I, I think uh, we certainly haven't seen a reduction in outages. You know, anecdotally, uh, customers are still affected by outages in, in all the major applications that people use day to day. Um, the the impact of that, I think customers are starting to, uh, you know, re-architect their environments yeah. to be more suited towards cloud and as a service solutions. So um, they increase their dependency, but then they also have more redundancy or contingency. You know, maybe um, more diversity in service provider connections to get out across the internet to the cloud, or they could have uh, more resiliency in terms of how they actually architect the applications they're consuming. Uh, maybe they, uh, you know, have some redundancy in the, the cloud service that they're hosted in. Got it. That's really interesting. So, so we're saying, you know, we say this all the time, the dependency or the reliance on the internet, the cloud providers are, you know, it's increasing, we're using this to drive our business, but we're learning to live with it as it were. So, you know, these things will happen, black swan events happen, we're going to see outages occurring from there, we have to do maintenance on these things. 
but we're we're almost designing around from there. And I think probably maybe even and you mentioned yeah, the cloud services coming out. Maybe the proliferation of sort of more software defined stuff uh, that's starting to come out from there. Um, obviously, we still have hardware sitting underneath this, but there's more systems being put in place, as you say, to design around it. Absolutely. All right. And with that, let's take a look under the hood. So first, I want to talk about the outages that impacted OpenAI's ChatGPT. So this is really interesting as it highlights what an impact and issue to an aggregate or single point, the effect it has in rendering the whole application unusable. Um, so, so essentially what happened here was uh, to, to maintain throughput and serve large volumes of data, uh, uh, ChatGPT uh, cycles users in and out of a shared pool of connections that are used to transmit re requests and responses when you're asking it questions, when you're asking it to sort of configure code for you, to write me scripts coming out from there. So this is designed essentially to maintain and optimize the throughput of the service, but inadvertently revealed a potential single point uh, bottleneck there. So what happened in this case was that there was a, a, a vulnerability, they used an open source there, vulnerability was identified within there. Um, and uh, and what what then was occurring was um, the some of these queues were effectively being held open. So you could join the back of a queue, and you were then sort of seeing um, someone else's, or when it was reused, you were seeing a, a previous request and some information around from there. So obviously, this is they they recognise this very quickly, and then they actually took it offline. They actually took it down. So what went on there is you could actually still make connectivity coming into um, uh, the Chat GPT service, but you obviously couldn't actually get anything out from there while they actually sort of sort of cleaned that out. Uh, I thought this was really interesting from a couple of reasons. They're in a beta mode, so this is an experimental service that's coming up from there. People aren't effectively paying for that service, so you know there's sort of less dependency around an SLA, that type of thing. But still, it sort of showed, uh, I think, good character to sort of take it off. And what they've also been is incredibly transparent in actually sharing exactly what they did and why they did it. So one of the other things I thought was, you know, I'd like to interest in your opinion on Lindsay is, is what was it was it this was obviously the quickest and obvious way to take um but in doing this have they sort of identified that there's a single point of failure and uh, and sort of how could you actually sort of work around that going forward yeah i think it's a, a really interesting one mike for for various reasons so these large language model ais they're probably the fastest moving technology maybe we've ever seen in the past yep. well I, I think that's a fair fair thing to say and at the velocity and at the rate they need to move, there's so many other competing priorities that they have to manage um, that I think seeing these kind of events will be something that they have shown through their very quick action will be able to remediate and get on top of. Um, but it's one of those scenarios where there's a lot of spinning plates. Um, yeah. They have to juggle a lot of different things. The adoption and the dependency on these on these AIs is, you know, inevitably only going to increase. So the amount of uh, users that are going to be using it, and the demands of those users are, are going to increase as well. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I think you make a great point there, and 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 just sort of building on that, really. Um, so it actually 
yeah. will end up being, I believe, beneficial to them because in identifying that, yeah. but actually seeing it there, what they've also then identified, and they, they probably knew it was there as well, but this potential to, we can optimize this point so we can actually make it better through here. We can actually scale through this point. We understand what's going on here. We understand this is a potential single point of failure. Um, and now we can actually sort of um, uh, improve that service going forward. Yeah, because, and I think you'll have a lot of experience with this as well. Testing for security problems or security vulnerabilities and coupling that with scale and availability yeah. is notoriously difficult to do. Um, and, and, and I'm sure that they took a lot of actions to try to anticipate every eventuality prior to it being released to the public. But there's only so much that is possible. And the, the fact that they were able to remediate this as fast as they did, I think is testament to, to the service that they're gonna provide. Absolutely. So similar to the chat GPT outage there, Dish Network also took major measures in response to a uh, recent security related concern. So, you know, so we covered this in the last podcast where we actually went into the details of sort of, again, how they actually took it down. So it was very um, obvious what they did. They took it down. Again, they were open and transparent that they were responding to a ransomware attack uh, that was going on. But but that's not what I want to delve into this week. So so what we've actually started to see now is that um, the process of them actually recovering, we saw a lot of services come back online reasonably quickly. So that process is, is continuing. We see them continue to recover. We see systems coming back on. And we've observed this through an, an, um, uh, the test we've actually seen. So we can see sort of connectivity and we see services responding coming up from there. But evidence suggests that while their network infrastructure is now back online, they're running on a limited or controlled basis. And, and sometimes this is relating in some cascading impact on customer services. And this is kind of interesting, uh, really, because we're anecdotally hearing an impact um, that's an external human factor, as it were. So customers are reporting sort of very long hold times for when they're waiting for support. Um, and what this possibly means is that one thing that DISH might not have actually uh, recovered all its call center systems, uh, obviously because of, you know, again, with what we were talking about there, the, the call centers have access to an awful lot of um, information around from there. So there's a, you know, it may well be that we're taking time to sort of clean that and bring that back up. Uh, from there. But also another plausible explanation is that, that what they're doing is actually limiting the traffic coming in. What I think here is I think, you know, obviously, as we said, the infrastructure could still be coming back online uh, there. But, but I also think what they're doing is or a possibility of what they could be doing is actually kind of restricting access to it. So if you think about the personal information that could potentially held within a call center there, we're calling in to identify ourselves going uh, that they then have access to. If, we, if this is recovering from a ransom attack, this cleanup process as we want to go through from there, I want to make sure my, my surface attack area is sort of as limited as possible. I want to make sure what's going on. Because quite often we'll see, or in the past you've seen situations where people have been hit sort of once or twice. So if I can control that flow coming in, I can effectively uh, sort of keep a greater eye on it. I can make sure what's going on and I can bring things back up. Obviously, the, um, the, the, the downside to this or the flip side to this is that um, the, you, know, you can't get a court into a pint pot. Uh, I can't sort of pour all this information down. So that I, because I've got uh, customers wanting to call this call center, there's the, my, my call rate might have increased, but I've actually got this sort of narrow path coming uh, back into it, as it were, uh, to sort of control the, the connectivity. Yeah, it makes sense because, you know, any of those kind of attacks, the implications or the consequences for not acting fast or, you know, not trying to plug the holes 
as fast as possible are, you know, detri so detrimental to the business that it could be catastrophic. So Absolutely. it makes sense that, that they would play on the safe side as opposed to trying to open up the floodgates all over again and then exposing themselves to the same level of risk. Exactly, exactly. So changing tack a little, uh, Microsoft 365 users had an unusual set of problems. And it was around March 21st or 23rd when a section of infrastructure responsible for regulating user ge geolocation malfunctioned. And I'm, I'm saying it between March 21st and 23rd because we first observed it or we first saw anecdotal evidence for around the 21st and it was actually reported was around on the, on the 23rd. So the, the, the problems impacted users in multiple regions, including North America and Japan. Um, and, and Microsoft said they, they came out with a statement that the, the infrastructure had malfunctioned and they rolled it back. But what was happening from here, and, and it's kind of interesting again, is that the, the geolocation stuff um, is one of the many checks on Microsoft 365 makes when um, uh, determining authorization. So do you have permission to access? So geo-blocking basically sort of wanting to, to, to make connectivity coming in from there. So the what happened in this case when it actually malfunctioned, it, it basically uh, gave the impression from a, from a geolocation perspective that you were coming from somewhere else or was directing you somewhere else, so from different countries. So if you had a policy in place uh, that was actually looking to, uh, that was, was implementing geo-blocking, then you were actually receiving, you actually couldn't log on. And then for other users who, who didn't have it in place, but they were actually coming from there, it was actually sort of direct them to different locations because it thought from a location perspective, they were based somewhere else. Um, and and they were then sort of sort of in deg degradations around from there, but it's kind of interesting to to, to understand then again you know we we're, we're talking about and 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 this is what I wanted to talk about here is that if we talk about a service delivery chain it's made up and and you made the point Lindsay when we're talking about uh, Chat GPT was that there's all these different components in the security aspect there we might have the back end sort of systems around from there but they've all got to be working uh, in in syn synchronization they've all got to be working together so what we had here was a almost a simple check going on from there I don't want to uh, belittle essentially what it's doing because it's very important to do the geolocation stuff and it's built into people's policies but the fact then that 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 one sort of check uh, failed that was essentially the mouse that sunk the boat yeah it was all these animals were in the boat beforehand but this one last bit that went in there stopped it going any one port of part of that service delivery chain can have a, a detrimental effect on on um on the overall uh, availability and functionality essentially of the uh, of the service itself uh so yeah I, i'm this is again why visibility is important to understand every component within there and to 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 work out what we got across that chain. Yeah, absolutely. You know, to your point, there's so many different dependencies that have to work in unison for the application to be available, and the user doesn't care about those things, and the organisation who's paying for the service doesn't care about those things. They just care about productivity and, and having a good experience and. I think the analogy that um, you know is the most simple and often the most effective to follow is that in the past we've always had a haystack to delve through for outages, but when applications were managed and run within a very clearly defined four walls of the enterprise perimeter, that haystack was was a lot smaller. And now in today's world, you get so many different benefits of, you know, arguably one of the biggest applications in the world. 
um, like Office 365 or, or another application like that, there's so many benefits of scalability, not having to maintain them, getting you know quick releases and updates to the application. Like the, the list of pros is so long. But one of the consequences of that is that haystack is tenfold of what it used yep. to be. And delving through it or digging through it is so much more complex than it used to be because you've got all of the dependencies that are within the control of the vendor, but then there's the dependencies that are in between the vendor and the user. Um, and that's why assurance and visibility is such a critical piece in you know, consuming those applications or adopting them as one of the, the critical pieces of, of your own organization. Another company to face outages in recent weeks was Virgin Media UK. Uh, this happened on April the 4th. Uh, Virgin Media UK experienced two outages that impacted the reachability of its network. Now, the impact it had was was it, it was it was it was wide. It was predominantly to the uh, let's call it the subscribers, the broadband users around. So so Virgin Media customers around from there. And we've sort of covered in in sort of some depth essentially uh, what happened there. So we have a podcast out from there. Uh, my colleague, uh, Kamal Angelique, produced an excellent um, uh, podcast and a, and a blog piece that came out that talks about it. And I encourage you to actually go and read that. We'll put the uh, the links to those in the show notes before uh, at the end of this. Uh, but also, what I want to cover today is, is not necessarily revisit that, but I want to sort of just dive into some interesting aspects we saw as the systems were recovering. So Lindsay, do you want to actually just sort of take us through what we saw? Yeah, absolutely. I'll bring that up. Yeah, so this uh, example, I think, is a really good one to go through. Um, and, and to your point, Mike, what we're seeing today or in today's world is more and more dependency on those consumer-grade uh, service providers. They are you know, not only or in, in the past, if they were not available, generally the impact would be that people couldn't consume things that they did in their private lives. But now it can actually affect a huge percentage of people who are working, you know, in a hybrid form. Yeah. And in this particular example, we, we can see evidence of that, um, how widely um, this, this application is available. So here, the Virgin Media application over here on the right, uh, hosted in this AS, we can see from a range of different locations around the UK, um, how it's being advertised and how widely available it is. And then what happens at a certain point is um, at this particular timestamp time in UTC, we see the application um, out, uh, sorry, announcement being withdrawn. So yep. very, very quickly, the application became, becomes essentially unavailable um, uh, across the internet to its um, consumers and to its users. So that was, and they weren't a transit provider who said they were looking at broadband, so they impacted the... Um that 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 impacted these consumers actually getting out onto the internet and being able to see what was going on on, on across there and, and just to sort of to emphasize here what we're looking at here is a particular service run by virgin media so that would have impacted the consumers um or sort of subscribers and then what we were looking at now is essentially one of the services that they were running themselves see how that came back up yeah correct and you know what, what we essentially see in this graph here is green it's available and when we're seeing white or we're seeing a, a reduction in the green, uh, you know, we've got we've got a service um, availability issue. Um, and what we can start to see is those reachability or, or those um, route with withdrawals start to happen across the Internet. We're seeing network um, errors pop up. So 
as evidenced here, what we're seeing from all these locations around the United Kingdom is connect errors. So uh, users aren't able to get through to the application. And if we work down the stack, we can go into the network layer here and we'll see that confirmed by 100% uh, network loss being um, received by these different locations around the UK. Now, um, if we move ahead in time, we can see that the, that network loss starts to be remediated. So at this particular point in time, from a network perspective, um, we have reachability. The, the locations around the United Kingdom are able to get through to the application. But if we correlate that timestamp and we move up the stack, let's go back up to the application layers. And, and what we actually see is that the DNS resolution is happening correctly. You know, we've got the network connection, so effectively all the, the layer three aspects. But when we're moving up to layer four, we see those um, errors uh, being encountered again. So what we're seeing here is that even though the network um, layer errors are being resolved, we're still seeing an application that's not reachable or, or available. That's that's really cool. I like I like this, and it's like I love the way if you move forward in, in time, you can see almost moving down the stack or moving up the stack where we want to put it from there. So so basically, what we're saying is that we got layer three, we got connectivity, so we can actually make it. We can make it to this service, but this service is still isn't um, uh, functioning because there's a quite a long period of unavailability that we actually see at the end there. So we're saying you know the server's connectable, contactable, but it's just not available to actually run. The application itself, or the, the in this case, this is a status and uh, and 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 uh, account details, basically, or service details, I should say. Yeah, correct, and, and and that's one of the you know the key advantages of of an active monitoring stance or or an active assurance stance is essentially because we're always testing, we're we're able to see a, a story about that particular service. So over here on the left, this would basically be the baseline or the normal state. So we can use that retrospective view to say, you know, this is where we want to essentially get back to, to get our users uh, being provided a good experience again. And us as being, um, you know, potentially consumers of the application, we can also see the context, what's happening. And, and this yeah. pattern up here on the top of the screen is actually really interesting because we see the application restored and then several hours later, we see that same pattern happening again where the application becomes unreachable. And then if we drill down into the network layers here, we'll see that that network loss pattern being um, encountered again. And then finally, over at this point, over at this point, we see that the application is restored. Um, and when we've got healthy connectivity coming back to it. All right, so that's actually really interesting. And and, and I like your use of the word patterns there, Lindsay. Um, for regular listeners to this, you'll know I'm actually a big fan of the patterns coming from there. And even to the point of, as you, as you said there, though, the simplicity of, the, um, of the, the, the pictures, as it were, come from there. If I can actually identify what it was at that baseline, it's really easy for me to understand, therefore, what's going on because you know, a picture paints a thousand words. I can see what's going on visually. I can specifically say, do you know what? This error isn't occurring at the same area. I've moved up the stack or I've moved down the stack from there and I can see what's happening from there. So really interesting. Okay, so thanks, Lindsay. It's actually been an absolute pleasure uh, and I really hope we can get you get back on a future episode. Great. Thanks very much for having me, Mike. And yeah, I look forward to it. No problem, mate. So that's our show. 
Please like, subscribe, and follow us on Twitter at Thousand Eyes. Uh, any questions, feedback, or guests you'd like to see on, uh, just please send us a note at internetreport at thousandeyes.com. And so until next time, goodbye.